0: Are you ready for the word? All right. Well, open your Bibles, please, to the book of uh, Colossians chapter 3. And let's read from verse 22 to verse 24. Colossians 3, 22 to 24. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service, As men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. As Paul's speaking, and he's speaking, in particular there, he's addressing those he called bond servants. Uh, Bond servants would represent those maybe at the lowest level of society, those who are involved maybe in menial, menial tasks. And so Paul is speaking to those who are in the church who are not the not from the higher echelons of society, but who are doing the menial work in society at that time, but they're Christians. And there are many such people that were in the church. And he's given them some instructions. And obviously the conditions under which they're working are not necessarily the best. And uh, I'm sure if they had an opportunity to get free, many of them would choose to get free. But that's the situation they find themselves in. And Paul said, even when you're in a situation like this, in the marketplace even when you're in a place where you would rather not be, there's a way you should conduct yourself as a believer because you have an assignment there. You have an assignment. God has you there, and that's where you are for now, and you have an assignment there, all right? Whatever you do, do it what? Or from the heart, or with all your might. Do it as to the Lord, and not to men, next, next verse, knowing that from the Lord you will do what? Receive the reward. Or we could just make it from the Lord you'll receive your pay. Okay, from the Lord you'll receive your pay. For you serve the Lord Christ. For you do what? Serve the Lord Christ. That's Colossians chapter 3. Let's go to Ephesians 6. And we're going to read from verse, uh, verse 5 to verse 9. He says the same thing, but I think we should hear it again from another perspective. Let's read it together. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters. According to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, As to Christ. So you can substitute for you. You can substitute bond servants for you as an employee. And you can substitute master for whoever your employer is. To make it relevant to where you are. But he says, be obedient to those who are your masters, your employers, your supervisors. Uh And that's whether you like them or not. According to the flesh... And do it with, that is, with great respect. Okay? Do it with respect and in sincerity of heart as though you are doing it to Christ. Verse 6. Not with eye service. In other words, don't be one of those at work who only work (laughs) when the boss is around. Okay? Okay? And so when he's around, you act like you're really busy and all that stuff. As soon as he disappears, you go back to your phone, okay, whatever you're doing. Don't be an eye servant. Uh, do it to policemen, and, you know, either because you have a bad attitude and you just want to do the, the least you can get away with, or you're trying to impress them so they can promote you. Either way, you're being an I-servant, right? He says, don't let that be your motivation, but as bondservants of what? Christ. So you're a you're servant of the man, so to speak, or you're an employer or employee of this company. But he says, let your attitude as a believer rise above that and see yourself as an employee of Christ. I, 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 I used to say this, way, put yourself on his payroll. Seriously, you can put yourself on his payroll. And that's what Paul is really saying. Put yourself on the Lord's payroll. Don't just work for the men. Work for the boss. The real boss. But as bond servants of Christ, do the will of God from what? From the, again, from the heart. Don't just do work to make money do what you do from the heart next verse with good will with a good attitude doing service how to the lord and not to men next verse knowing that whatever good anyone does he will receive the same From the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. In other words, if you do good work, the Lord will do good for you. God would see to it that you receive a reward, an award, your pay. You know, God saves us by grace, but by grace he also rewards us. He doesn't have to, but he chooses. When you do good work, the Lord will see to it that he finds a way to reward you for the work you're doing. So you put yourself on God's payroll when you approach your work with the right attitude. And Paul is telling us what is the attitude that a believer should have as he approaches work. All right? So verse 9, let's see. I think that's the verse 9. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up, threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven. And there's in other words, if you are the boss or you are the owner, you too put yourself on God's payroll. Amen? And you do so by adopting the same attitude that the employee is told to adopt. You see yourself as serving the Lord Christ. And therefore, you do what you do heartedly as unto the Lord. Alright? That's the background. I'll make further comments on that, but I felt I needed to introduce that. So, we spent the, the weeks already that we spent in, in Dr. Um, and Day last week did a great job. The whole point we're trying to make and drive home in different ways is that God has assigned you, you're a servant of God, you're a minister of God, not just pastors are ministers, but you are ministers of God, you are priests of the Most High God, you have an assignment to ministry, amen, and you are assigned to serve God both in the church, to believers, and also in the marketplace where you work, Amen? So in the church, as a member of the body of Christ, you are a minister. You are to minister to one another with the gifts that God has given you. You are to allow God to work through you, to build up his body, the people of God, the church. But you spend a lot more time in the marketplace than you spend here. And so when you're in the marketplace, you're also there on assignment. You are a minister of Christ first. And we want you to see that and we want you to embrace that reality let this be the way you identify yourself just like i identify myself as a servant of god you start identifying yourself as servants of god with a call from god You servants of god with a call to from god to minister for god in your local church to his body in your workplace to the people that you interact with you work with or you serve there embrace that do not as a christian go to work Simply to earn a living. Go to work to make a difference in people's lives for Christ and the kingdom. Say to the person next to you, do not go to work simply to earn a living. Go to work to make a difference in people's lives for Christ and the kingdom. Embrace your identity. Embrace your ministry. And may God give you the grace to be faithful. Amen? So we could say, and we we would be accurate if we said it this way, at Harvest Intercontinental Church Oldie, uh, Bishop Johnson and Pastor Chris are the lead pastors, and we have several assistant pastors. But we have over 1,000 ministers in this church. let me repeat if we grasp what I just said it would be accurate to say at Harvest our senior pastors or lead pastors is how they refer to us now that's, that's I guess I need to to grow and go to the next level so, so Pastor Chris and I are the lead pastors and then we have a number of assistant pastors but we have over a thousand ministers in our church come on say hallelujah Amen, we got ministers in the accounting field, ministers in the education field, ministers in the tech field, uh, ministers in the field of government, uh, what else? Minister in the medical field and, and uh, in agriculture, okay? Uh, we have ministers, thousands, amen, all over the world. And over, over a thousand of those ministers are right here in this church. Amen. So, so God has a lot of folks to work through here. And can you imagine what God can do with more than a thousand ministers who have embraced their ministry? And who, who, who live and talk and pray and act as though they are on assignment for Christ. And that their primary responsibility is to serve the Lord wherever he is. Hallelujah. Talking about a world being trans- transformed. Talking about making it hard for people to go to hell or to live or die without Christ. I pray that you will embrace your call. Are you ready to do that? Yes. Amen. At the end of this series, I, you know, next week we'll actually pray for folks. But we, we really, really, you know, want you, if, if, if we don't embrace this identity, then we've wasted four weeks or five weeks. All right? So how many ministers do we have at Harvest? Over a thousand plus, right? Are here at Harvest. Amen. And as ministers, you want to be what? Faithful unto the Lord. So, again, you spend over 90,000 hours of your adult life in the marketplace. Uh, make sure those hours you're spending are counting for eternity. May I repeat? Make sure those hours are counting for eternity because they represent your life. And once you use them, they're gone. You cannot retrieve it. The eight hours or the 40 hours you're going to spend this week, once you use that, that's 40 hours of your life that you will never retrieve. The 40 hours that you just spent last week, those were not just hours. That was your life being spent. And you were exchanging your life for something. Make sure what you're exchanging your life for at your place of work is worth your life. I mean, is there anything you possess that is worth more than your life? What are you willing to exchange your life for? Hmm? If I went out there and got a piece of rock, just picked up a regular old rock, and I told you here you can have it for $1,000, how many of you would be ready to write the check? Uh, No one, no one is is that crazy, right? To say, okay, I'll give you $1,000 in exchange for this piece of rock. Why? Because you know the rock isn't worth it. You will never exchange $1,000 for a piece of rock because you got enough sense to know that $1,000 is worth far more than a rock. Don't exchange your life for a car. Don't exchange your life for a house. Don't exchange your life for new clothes. Come on. Think about it. All of these things, cars, houses, clothes, they're here today, they're gone tomorrow. They're very temporary. Are they worth your life? So you've got to find another reason for going to work. Amen. You've got to find another reason for exchanging your life, giving your life away. Don't give it for things. That's why Jesus asked the question. And Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And then another place he said, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. Because Jesus knows the life of a man is so valuable, there's nothing material or physical that can come even close to his value. And if you would not give me $1,000 for a piece of rock, please don't give away your life for for. Things, cars, and those cars are made of rocks. Do you get the point? So if you're not going to give your life away for things, then what are you going to exchange your life for? This is what we're trying to get you to do. Because your life is so valuable, because you received your life from God, because there are things eternal, do this. Instead of exchanging your life for stuff, Invest your life in the eternal kingdom of God. Amen? Instead of exchanging your life for things that cannot ultimately satisfy and that will be here today in God's mother, gone, gone away tomorrow, go ahead and plant your life. And that's why Jesus said, let your life be planted. Plant your life in the soil of God's purpose. Because as we see, there are eternal rewards and eternal benefits that you will reap when you invest your life unto the Lord and you plant your life into the soil of God's purpose. And that's what you do when you embrace your ministry. When you embrace your your ministry, the call of God upon your life to serve him, to represent him, to glorify him, both in the church and in the world, when you embrace your job as part of your calling and you go there to make a difference for Christ, Then you're not exchanging your life just for things. You are investing your life in that which is eternal. You're putting yourself on God's payroll and God's reward are eternal. Are you still here? Say to your neighbor, your life is too valuable to sell it. To the God of this world, in exchange for the things he can give you. Hallelujah. So let's, let's again, let's, let's embrace this call to ministry. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, he said that if a person sees his work as a part of his service to God, and his goal is to glorify Christ through his work, that his place of work becomes a temple of worship. Today we're gathered in this place, and this place has become a, a, a temple of worship because we gather here as the church, the body of Christ, in order to worship God and to hear God and to minister to one another. This place is a holy place because we have gathered here to do something holy. Are you hearing me? But if you go to work tomorrow or your business tomorrow with the same attitude, I'm, sh- I'm going there in order to be a servant of the Lord in my place of work. And I want God to be glorified here most of all. Then that place of work, that place of business becomes a temple of worship. Because there God can be glorified. Now it takes you. It requires that you have the right attitude. It requires that you're motivated for the right reasons. But if you go to more with the right attitude for the glory of God, you go to work that Christ might be revealed, that Christ might be glorified in you, and that's your purpose, your number one purpose of being there. Yeah, you need to support your family. You need to earn your living. But your number one purpose is to glorify the Lord, and that's what you're doing. My goodness, that place of work has become a temple of worship. Now, here's the good news also. Not only have you been called to ministry, and your ministry is both in the local church and in your place of work, God who calls you has equipped you to be effective in carrying out your ministry. You see, whatever God asks us to do or assigns for us to do, God provides the ability to do it. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't stop there. He said, "Lo, I'm with you. In other words, what you're going to need, I'm going to have to supply. But you can count on my presence with you. So that's, that's, that's huge, brothers and sisters. Christ has equipped you. Christ has not only sent you, but you are literally empowered by Jesus to be effective in your ministry unto him. What do you think, again, the coming of the Holy Spirit was all about? Jesus told his disciples, I mean, the harvest is ripe. He talked about the need to take this gospel to the whole world. Yet he said, wait. Wait until the Holy Spirit. You wait for me, in Jerusalem, until the Holy Spirit has come. He says, because when the Holy Spirit comes, you will have received power to be his witness. And so he was sending them on a mission that he knew it was impossible for them to perform apart from him. And so instead of setting them up to fail, he says, this is what I want you to do. I've given you something to do that you cannot do apart from my power. So wait until I empower you. Wait until I endure you with power to fulfill the ministry I've given you. And they waited. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God came. I told you a couple of weeks ago. When the Spirit of God came, he didn't just come upon 11 disciples or apostles, 120. Every member of the church that was present received the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says, every one of us, if you are in Christ, you have the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God dwells inside of you. And one of the major reasons he's inside of you is to empower you for ministry. Amen. Empower you to produce the fruit of the Spirit, to reproduce the life of Christ—love, joy, peace—but also to empower you with spiritual gifts to confirm His presence, His love, His power, even in the marketplace. Mark six, Mark sixteen, says that we should go into all the world, proclaim the gospel. He says these signs will do what? Follow them that believe. The place that we will really see the greatest miracles is really in the marketplace. If you embrace not just the call, but you embrace the empowerment that you have received from God by the coming of the Holy Spirit. And if you receive the revelation under the authority of the name of Jesus. Then you will discover that God will confirm his presence, his love He will confirm the the gospel with signs and wonders and miracles. In the marketplace, you can lay hands upon the sick. And in Jesus' name, motivated by love, lay hands upon them, pray for them, and God will honor his word. They can have all kinds of problems problems with the family, and you can say, may I pray for you in Jesus' name. And God will confirm that word. So listen, the power is present in you. Because when you receive Christ, the thing he did was he gave you his spirit. Now the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of every single believer. Jesus said in John chapter 4, this is what's going to happen. He says when you believe in him, there's going to be a well of water springing up unto eternal life. Then in John chapter 7, he says if you believe in him, this is also what's going to happen. Out of your belly will begin to flow rivers of living water. So he spoke of the Holy Spirit. You who believe, the Spirit dwells in you, giving you eternal life, giving you a relationship with the Father. But you who believe, listen to me, there's a second dimension of ministry available to you where you will select, it's the same Holy Spirit, not another Holy Spirit, but you will be opened up to another dimension of his ministry in you, enabling you to experience greater measures and demonstrations of his power. We call that being baptized with the Holy Spirit in Pentecostal circles. We call it being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, don't worry about the words. The idea is there's a second dimension in that God can can manifest in your life, which we call the baptism, where that which is already in you shall flow out of you in power. Rivers of living water flowing out of you. Listen, after this service... As a mama, after this service, if you have not received what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, again, you're, you're, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit is already at work in you. Amen? But but, 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 there are other, there are other there, there's what we call the gifts of the Spirit. There are power gifts that are present. Amen? That can be released in your life in a greater way, making you even more effective in ministry. Amen? And that that, that release is connected to this experience where you literally find yourself out of your belly. You begin to speak in a new language, or a prayer language, we call it. And you have now this ability to talk to God in a language that you didn't even understand. Now, you may be saying, what are you talking about? Well, that's for you. It's available. And after this service, okay, do, do we have a room? Okay, after this service, Head to the, to, the, to the building next door. Go upstairs, and someone will be waiting for you at the top of the stairs to show you where you can go. And we want to talk to you a little bit more about this other dimension of the Spirit that will make you even more effective. Now, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can still win souls and you can still be fruitful because Christ lives in you, the Holy Spirit in you. But there's a dimension of the Spirit where gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to operate in your powerful ministry, begins to flow through you in a greater way. We want you to tap into that as well. All right, so after this service, head to that building, second floor, someone will be at the the top of the steps to direct you, and we will pray with you so that you not only have the power of the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in your life, but there's this access to the power of God for spiritual gifts that will begin to operate in your life, making you even more effective. Are you here? Room, room 235. That's the second floor, room 235, okay? Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. But the point I'm making is he who has called you to ministry equips you for ministry. That's that's why the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Go to 1 John 2.27. I want you to actually see this one. 1 John 2.27. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful truth. Let's read it together. But the, uh, everybody read it together. But the anointing, if you read some translation, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So you could say, but the Holy Spirit. But the anointing, the Holy Spirit, which you have received from him, abides in you. Listen, marketplace ministers, you who are in Christ, the anointing. Who says it's only the pastor who's anointed? You have been anointed. The Holy Spirit coming into you was an anointing from God. And your anointing comes from Christ. Hallelujah. You have what? Received. What did you receive? You received it as salvation. You received him as salvation. So if you are saved, you have received an anointing from him. And he abides in you. Whether you know it or not, he's there. When you feel it or not, he's there. When you go to work, he's there. He abides. He doesn't come and go, come and go. He's not just there on Sunday morning when we're doing praise and worship. He's there Monday morning when you show up at work. When you're facing some of those difficult challenges, he's there. When your boss is getting on your last nerve, he's there. When those you're supervising are just rubbing you the wrong way, he's there. When your customers are rude to you, he's there. Now, your emotions may be going up and down, but he is there, always available to you. You just need to learn how to acknowledge his presence and release your faith in his presence so that you can tap into his power. He abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing, the Holy Spirit teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as he or the anointing has taught you, you will abide in him. So one of the primary roles the Holy Spirit plays in empowering us is to teach us my goodness he didn't just say he would teach you Bible he says he would teach you what how many of you know that at work you can say Holy Spirit now we need to figure out how to do this show me how teach me Holy Spirit surely that's a way to do this better Show me how we can do this better. Show we can improve this. How can we improve it? Listen to me. He will teach you all things, including how to do your work better. Do you know that? Hallelujah. So cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge him. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6, he said, Timothy, stir up the gift. Stir up. In other words, you gotta respond. He's there, but if you don't pay any attention to him, he will be there. He's not gonna give you advice you haven't asked for. He's not gonna give you wisdom you don't think you need. He's not gonna help you if you think you got it together. He's there, but he's gonna respect you, right? Uh so so. Paul said, to The tip of the tip of the, you received a gift. That was the Holy Spirit. When we lay hands upon you, you got saved, we re- and we lay hands, you received it. The Holy Spirit is there. He says, Now stir that gift up. And what I want you to do is to start stirring up the gift of God that is in you at your place of work and here at church. Amen. When you come to this place, stir up the gift so the body gets blessed. Get involved in ministry. Amen. Stir up the gift. let give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work through you. Talk to him. When you go to work, hey, stir up the gift. Activate the gift. He said, Bishop, how do I do that? Well, it begins by acknowledging him. The Bible says that our faith becomes effectual through the acknowledging of every good thing that we have in Christ. So one of the things you need to do to stir up the ministry of the Holy Spirit in you so you can start tapping into that anointing that teaches you, all things begin to acknowledge him. Amen. Acknowledge him. Holy Spirit, I thank you you're in me. I try to do that before I preach. And through the day. Acknowledge him. Holy Spirit, I know the blood of Jesus has cleansed me. Oh, I got no sin that will stop you. I'm totally forgiven, right? So Jesus has taken care of the sin problem. Holy Spirit, there's no reason you can't work through this vessel. So there's a work God wants to do. Do it through me. Alright? So do the same thing on Monday. Lord, the blood has cleansed me. Holy Spirit, here I am. There's nothing in me that hasn't been dealt with by the blood of Jesus that you would not be able to work through me. Today. Let's glorify God here. Amen. Let's, let's, let's do God's will here in Jesus' name. Amen. Say hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So start acknowledging him, man, and start opening your mouth and confessing that you, the, that, that anointing abides in you. And he teaches you all things. That's important, right? Faith, you believe in your heart, you speak with your mouth. So when the Bible says the anointing of the Holy Spirit teaches you all things, you need to agree with that and say, hallelujah. I'm not just relying upon my brain. I'm not just relying upon my natural knowledge. I'm not just relying upon the education I got at school or the experience. That's good, but I got something more than that. I got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. There's an anointing that teaches me all things and gives me insight. And so start acknowledging that, confessing that, declaring it because that's how you, you, you begin to stir up that gift. Amen? And then another place he says, speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody in your heart unto the Lord. So when you're praising him and you're just worshiping, you're also stirring up that anointing that will teach you how to reach more customers. How to solve problems. How to bring in more business. God will win that case legally. Come and raise your head and thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before Jesus began his public ministry, he said, the Spirit of God is upon me. So I want all of you to raise your head now and say, the Spirit of God is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim deliverance to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those that are bowed, And to proclaim the acceptable deed of the Lord. The year of jubilee. The year of jubilee is a year of freedom. It's a year of blessing. It's a year of supply. Hallelujah. Amen. So, stir up this gift. Now, remember, I told you that the anointing that we partake of is the anointing of Jesus, his priesthood, his anointing, and his priesthood is after the order of what? Melchizedek. So, his anointing is that of prophet, priest, and king. This anointing we're talking about empowers you, it's, 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 it's the source of empowerment that will allow you, like a prophet, to, to, to think. Uh, with the insight of a prophet and will allow you to serve with the humility of a priest and allow you to be bold and courageous like a king in confronting the problems and the challenges of life And at your workplace. Come on. Do you you want to walk into your office tomorrow your business and say, thank God, I'm anointed with the anointing of Jesus that allows me to think and plan with the insight of a prophet. Thank you, Father. I'm anointed with the anointing of Jesus that allows me to serve with the humility of a priest. Thank you, Jesus. I'm anointed with your anointing. That allows me to be bold and courageous and to confront the Goliaths that I meet in my life and in the marketplace with the boldness of a king. With the courage of a king. Raise your hands and say, so be it, Lord. So be it, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. I'm not done. But I got to stop. I'm, I'm I'm trying to see if you'll persuade me to go, but right now it looks like <laughs> no. I would, I, would, I would, We will. We, we, we finish. We're not finished. We'll continue next week. Amen. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. In the mighty name of. Amen. I, I, I didn't really get to the to the text because I want to show you some things in the text. Lord willing, next week we will do some of that. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 But what you heard today, embrace it. What you what we heard what you heard today is that you have an anointing, an enablement, and what you've heard today is listen. If you have not yet been baptized with the Holy Spirit, that is something that's available. It's already in you. We need to stir it up. So after this service, please go on the second floor. Let Pastor Mima, whoever will be helping her, help you to stir up that gift so you can start operating at another level of anointing. In Jesus' name. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory be to God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Raise your hands. Say, Father. I thank you for the anointing. You know, I didn't even show you. I didn't read that first, did I? First John? Oh, I did? Oh, you see that. Now I need to stop. (laughs) Raise your hand. Say, Father God, I thank you for the anointing upon my life as a minister, a servant of God at church and in the marketplace. I thank you that this anointing teaches me all things, this anointing teaches me and empowers me to think and plan with the insight of a prophet, to serve with the humility of a priest, and to rule and to be bold and courageous like a king. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. When you go to work tomorrow, I'm still preaching, so keep recording. When you go to work tomorrow, go to work tomorrow, not just to work for the man or woman who is paying your salary. We read in the text, the text says, you serve the Lord Christ. No matter matter who is paying you, and writing your check. As a believer. Your real boss. Is Christ. Is the Lord Jesus. And the work you do. Is actually for him. That means the work you do. Is spiritual work. Is sacred work. Is God's work. Listen to me. It's spiritual work. It's sacred work. It's God's work. Therefore, you should do it with all of your heart, and you should do it unto him. And lastly, remember, when you approach your work that way, then you place yourself on his payroll. Whether you are the bond servant doing the menial task or whether you're the boss, the Lord himself will pay you for doing your work unto him and doing it well. Hallelujah. So make sure, make sure your attitude when you show up tomorrow is I'm here and I'm here to work with him. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. If you have not yet received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to extend an invitation to you to receive Jesus Christ into your life. Jesus came and died for you. You, I, all of us have sinned. None of us can ever be saved on the basis of our good works. We've got to come to God and receive the gift of forgiveness of sins, the gift of eternal life. It's offered freely to all, but you've got to reach out and take it by faith. You've got to humble yourself and admit and then by faith take what God offers you in Christ. If you are not sure, if you are not certain, that you have received the forgiveness of sins, that you are born again, that you are a child of God, that if you were to die today, you'll go to heaven. Hear me. Today is the day of salvation. You don't have tomorrow, promise. All you have is now. Whether you're watching online or whether you're here, I'm going to ask you to do something. Jesus was not ashamed of you. He went to the cross and was made a, a mockery of, for you. He wasn't ashamed. You can't be ashamed of him. If you said, Bishop, I would like for you to pray for me concerning my relationship with God and concerning in particular my salvation, would you just raise your hand? I want you, Bishop, to pray with me concerning my salvation. I really want to have this matter settled. I want to know my sins are forgiven. I want to know that if I were to die, today, I'm going to heaven. Bishop, would you please pray with me for my salvation. All right. If you do, if you raise your hand after the service, I'll pray with you about your salvation. Amen. I see one person says, someone else raising your hand for your salvation. All right. If you're here today, you say, Bishop, I want to be a member of this church. I really believe that God would have me to join Harvest and I want the pastors here to pastor me I believe God wants me to connect with this local body as my church family. Uh, Please, please, I want you to receive me as a member. Would you please raise your hand? You're not yet a member, but you want to be received as a member. Okay. Is there anybody else? Yeah, raise it. Come on, do it. Yeah, three, four. Raise it high. Great, great. I want to be received as a member. Okay. Now, please... Please, I want you to do this for me, okay? Those of you who raised your hand after the service, I'm going to stay here for a few minutes. You raise your hand because you want to be received as a member. Come up front, and I will show you exactly what steps you need to take. All right? Don't leave. Come up front so I can give you instructions in Jesus' name. All right? Now, how many of you invited someone to church this week? Stand to your feet if you invited someone. Let's clap for these folks. All right, thank you. I think we had nine people that invited, folks. Okay. Do you think we can do better than that? Do you think we ought to do better than that? Amen. Do you think we ought to be concerned about folks in this area who don't know the Lord? Do you think we should be concerned about folks in this area who are not receiving the teaching of God's word that they need? If I promise you, God be my helper, that every time you come here, you're going to have a word from the Lord that will bless you and bless people. You're going to have powerful praise and worship. You're going to have prayer. If I promise you that, God being my helper, would you promise me that you will allow God to use you and you'll be on the lookout for people that you get talk to them about Christ or talk to them about your church and invite them to church. Will you promise me that? Let's work together, guys. Remember, we're all called to ministry. How many ministers do we have here? Yeah, we've got more than a thousand ministers, right? So I just did ministry unto you and now you got the rest of the week as you are in the marketplace to do ministry. One of the things you can do is you can invite people to worship with you. That's part of your ministry. You can offer to pick them up and bring them. Or you can share Christ with them. You follow me? You follow me? Do you? I'm not convinced. Are you, how many of you say yes, I embrace my ministry as a servant of God in the marketplace? Stand to your feet, those of you who are raising your hands. Amen. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Now hear me. This might be the least you can do in fulfilling your ministry. And that is to love people and bring people, invite people to hear the word of God in this place. May the Lord empower you in Jesus' name. And I believe next week when I ask how many of you invited someone, I believe there will be a lot more hands going up. You agree with me? In Jesus' name so be it. Amen. Have your seats. All right.